Welcome to the Open Mic Podcast Show with Mike Midgley. Hey and welcome to the Open Mic Podcast. On today's episode, I'm excited to be covering a topic that a lot of people will want to explore and that is about how to speak and perform as a highly respected leader. Now, today's influencer guest is Joey Aswak, and he's based out of one of my favorite places in the world outside of San Francisco. I will have to say, Joe, as the second best is St. Petersburg in Florida. Welcome to the show, Joe. It's great to have you today. Well, it's great to be here. I'm looking forward to this uh, conversation with you today. Absolutely, absolutely. And as a as a speaker myself, not maybe as much as I would like, uh, I'm looking forward to learning off you today. And I know a lot of the listeners out there, you know, you may be getting speaking requests, you're unsure, you're getting toyed between, do I go to, you know, something like a coach or something like that? Well, we're really going to dig deep here, guys. And we're going to learn a lot about speaking, uh, being respected uh, as a leader. And uh, what I highly encourage you to do, Joe's background is pretty, pretty solid. It's super... Uh, comprehensive and he's uh, certainly ahead of his field here so go out check him out at nofearspeaking.com and prestigeleader.com uh, they're the websites you can pick up with Joe uh, on LinkedIn as well uh, with the forward slash uh, Joe Yazbek and that is Y-A-Z-B-E-C-K if you're listening in the car you don't have to rewind we'll put the links in the show notes you'll be able to pick them up from um, you can also check out uh, Joe Yaz7 on Twitter uh, and uh, Joe Yazback Leadership on Instagram as well. Um, so let's talk a little bit about you, Joe, and uh, let's learn a little bit about your history. Um, I know when you know we get comments and feedback on the podcast, one of the biggest areas is sometimes not the subject itself, but learning about the stories, the highs, the lows, the roller coaster ride of entrepreneurship and being leaders. Um, so tell us a little bit about your career, Joe, uh, and also how you also became an international uh, master speaker, best-selling author in eight languages, things like that. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I, I can go very early. I don't know how early we can go. I can say that I was born at a very early age. <laughs> uh, I, I grew up in a family of, of music and, and performers. My father was a horn player, piano player. Uh, you should probably know my son is a major Broadway star in New York. I don't think I've said anything about that, but he's won awards. And, uh, and it just it happened to be, I don't know if you can say it's in the genes, but uh, I have a degree in theater. Yep. And and I remember a time I came to to England and uh, got to sit at the old Vic at the time, the old Vic, old Vic. And I got to see Laurence Olivier in Long Day's Journey and Tonight. I'll never forget that. I was a college student, a theater major. And uh, I sat at the front row mezzanine, and I think I paid $1.75 for those tickets <laughs> back in the early 70s. But anyway, I was just spellbound with performance. And uh, I started, I opened early on a company uh, where I was delivering artist development in uh, stage presence and how to command an audience from the stage as a singer, as an actor. I was in Hollywood at the time and also delivered uh, studio uh, workshops in that area, uh, helping people to overcome uh, stage fright to, to, you know, grab really, really being themselves in front of a camera. And you know, I moved. I moved to uh, Florida because uh, it was uh, it was good for me to move to Florida. Uh, it was just a lot of space, a lot of sunshine. This is back in '96, and I decided that I was going to transition everything to the business field. 
because it sorely needed it. There were corporate, corporate business people, C-level executives, leaders that could not command from the stage. They could not, they could not even deliver a staff meeting or, a, or an executive meeting. They, they didn't know how to enter a boardroom you know, with any kind of confidence. And so I started developing and then I wrote my book. My book became a bestseller. It's now published in eight languages. And I realized, I think I got onto something here. Well, congratulations on the book. I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, and if you want to check that out, you've got to all the best bookstores as well as Amazon. Um, and that's no fear speaking as well. So we'll put a link to that book in there as well. And some of the languages outside of the, the your native mother tongue, uh, what sort of languages is that book, you know, in case, because we, we have a big spread across uh, about 70%. Yes, I know, across Europe. Uh, my uh, book Europe as well. Yeah, it's published in Spanish, Chinese, Mandarin Chinese. Yeah. Hungarian, Czech, Slovakian, German, Russian, then of course English. Amazing, absolutely amazing. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it must be such a great feeling to get that, not only done there, but you know, I remember speaking to Skip Miller. Uh, Skip Miller is one of the leading sales trainers based out on the West Coast. And uh, Skip, uh, New York Park Times bestseller, things like that. And, and he was saying that, you know, when he got his book done, that was great. But then when he did it in all the other countries, and then he, as he was speaking around the world, more countries, more publications. And, uh, you know, I, I can't remember how many he got it in, but he says it's just strange to see you know all the original idea of the manuscript go into all those and have such a positive effect on you know not just the western world but some of the developing countries as well and i'm sure you feel the same that you well it's amazing mike because there's a common denominator in each of these countries you know and standing in front of an audience through an interpreter and i've had as many as six interpreters at once wow. uh, translating uh, my my uh, workshops and, and events they're all needing one thing the common denominator is they want to be able to communicate with confidence yeah. Yeah. they want to be able to communicate with confidence not just on their job but at home you know uh, to their communities they want to have that ability to really impact and influence other people yeah. and that takes communication skill as a leader and they how do, how do leaders speak how are they supposed to speak you see, because yeah. you can't really, you can't coordinate if you don't communicate well. You cannot collaborate if you don't communicate. You can't necessarily cooperate if you don't communicate. And these are all the basic things that a leader needs in order to effectively do their job. Yeah, and, and right, rightly so, because I think a lot of people have got such a strong message to get across, but maybe delivery, confidence, like you say, withholds them back. So if we were to get the audience to check out the book, Joe, uh, um, who is it for? Because, you know, there's different stages. We were speaking off air before we started. There's different stages, cycles, businesses. Is it for everybody who's wanting to get to that next level? Does it serve any, or is it for a specific yeah. type of level of, maybe you've got to this level and you just need to push on? Tell us a little I, bit. I don't that. think it's, I have had thousands of book buyers and these, I mean, tens of thousands that have come from many different levels of, of, of the work area, of, of the arena, of, of exec, from executives to owners to yep. I, I've, I was welcome to come to Russia to train uh, senators at the Duma. I had, I had to turn that down, unfortunately. Oh, yeah, that, that's an amazing experience. And these were, these are public servants, political people. I, I've been, I've worked with heads of state. I've worked with, with multinational company CEOs to startups. 
Okay, so and it's we're saying that look, you know, if you want that confidence, you want to take it that next level, you want to speak, communicate, get a look, you're going to get something out of it. I'll tell you who it's for it's for anybody that wants to improve their career and get a foothold on how they can really make a big difference in a very short period of time by standing up in front of an audience or on camera or online like right now yep. and impact change through their communication skill. They can learn this. This is a talent that can be developed. Yeah, absolutely. Any C-level exec to an entrepreneur or a solopreneur, a, a major CEO of a company, um, I mean, I've, I've worked with many different industries, technology, law, financial, healthcare, the building industries, which comprise real estate, insurance, mortgage. Yeah. These are all where presentation skill is needed. Yeah. And you, you talk about presentations. I was one thing I actually looked at when I was doing the research um, and, and it actually sort of took me aback and over 4,000 presentations over your career. I mean, that's one heck of an amount of It is. It is. I, I, I was, yeah, thank you. And that's, that can all be um, referenced, to be honest with you. There oh, was yeah. A, yeah. There was a time period. Uh, I did two, two uh, seminars a day for a few <laughs> years, a day. And, uh, you know, in my early days when I, in my 20s, I would be responsible for giving lectures where people would register for courses. Yeah. And then that's where I learned that a speaker has a statistic, which is a conversion rate. Okay, <laughs> and that conversion rate is measured by how many people uh, do you have in your lecture that actually sign up for something? Yeah, like a course, a book, or whatever it would be. A course or a book or something. And in, in, in today's parlance, they call it a call to action. <laughs> because you're calling them to take action, and do they comply with it? And this is something that can be measured with quantity and quality. Absolutely. No, that's great. Tell me just one other thing, slightly off script here. Uh, we talked about who the book was for, uh, Fellow Divers. Would you recommend, um, I've worked with authors before, and some of them are very specific for either specific roles, whether that's finance roles or whatever it would be. But when I see books like this, I automatically come back to things like Think and Grow Rich and Dale Carnegie's stuff, Maxwell Maltz's stuff, and, and, and some of the original sort of heroes, more than the recycled modern stuff, the Jim Rohn's, people like that. Um, and I always think that those books not only should be absorbed by the leadership and the management, but they should also be passed down to their employees and that to obviously motivate, because you could always find something in it. I try and read Think and Grow Rich twice a year. It's, some, it's a book that turned my life around 20 odd years ago. Napoleon um, Hill is amazing. Yeah. He's a philosopher of, of not just motivation, but success. Yeah, absolutely. And I try and read it twice a year, and I have probably done for 25 plus years. Um, and every time I read it, I take something else out of it because it's where the relevancy of that cycle or stage that I'm at. So yeah, would you say, yeah, so would you say with your book, you would recommend to get that down to the employee trenches? I, as well? I think my book, my book is not just there. There are books that are that get you to change your mindset, yeah. that get you to think differently, to consider and conclude things so that you can seek past your fixed ideas. Yeah. Because many people have fixed ideas. My book is really a handbook. Yeah, perfect. It's a manual and there's no fluff in it. <laughs> That's no what we like. Nothing. It is a it is a, a what I would call a toolkit. Yeah. With so many tools in it. I, I've separated out my book in three different parts, Mike. 
The first part is speech design, which tells you how to prepare and organize a structure. I've had the senior coach of Anthony Robbins' company come to me for training. Wow. And wow. he said to me, Joe, uh, your book, train me on how to, how to get structure, because that's the, where I'm lacking. And many speakers don't have structure. They're all over the place. Yeah. And I have designed what is called a universal template for how to prepare and organize any presentation from the beginning to the end. Oh, and when you have a template like that, let me tell you, Mike, that's half the battle of stage fright. It is. I know, I know in the theater world and the film world, I mean, you'll probably correct me, I'm doing this from a novice outside point of view, but the, they call it the three-part play, like the beginning, the middle, and the end. So I'm assuming... Yeah, that's, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, it's you like... Hit it right on the, you hit the nail on the head right there. Yeah. How complicated is that? You've got to open, you have a middle, and you have to end it. And in the book itself, you're going to learn how to open with a bang yeah. grab their attention don't be boring and i have illustrations and tables in this book that tell you there's 12 different ways to open but you'll never be boring wow see and it's so important because what you're doing with people when you open your presentation even if it's a 30 to 60 second commercial or if it's a three to five minute uh prom promotional video or whatever it might be it, whatever it might be hit them where it hurts where they don't mind it hurts. They want to go, oh my goodness, he's talking about things that I've been going to bed at night, knocking my head against the wall, trying to resolve. And that's what you're bringing up in the very beginning. No, that's that tells them that there's something here that they want to listen to throughout the entire presentation. Yeah, and it holds them, doesn't it, to the next stage. And um, exactly. I, say, I don't do anywhere near the public speaking that I used to do. The, I mean, be totally honest, last time I did this was June last year. I did a keynote for our friends over in Texas, um, a digital marketer uh, in London. Uh, we did the, I did a, a keynote with Dennis Yu uh, and a further other uh, digital people down um, just, just opposite Westminster Bridge. Um, uh -huh. And um, just scheduling just the way my businesses have moved, I, you know, you know, I love it. I get excited for it. Um, you know, I, I, I wish I could do more of it. I just don't. And I think that um, if, you are, if you're passionate about it, uh, the framework that what Joe's saying here, guys, is about how you're open, having that backstory of build up and hold them is so, so, so important. Yeah, it's I, the way to attract more clients to your business. Yeah. It is you get out in front of your company and become the brand ambassador to your company. And nobody's, you're going to have far more legitimacy, credibility, yeah. and reputation because you're on camera delivering something. You're on a webinar or a podcast delivering messages that people need to hear. Yeah. You're, you're standing, hopefully soon, you're going to be standing out in front of people where they can congregate, okay? And you're going to be able to have them literally look up to you. Literally, they're looking up to you because that's the position. There's a position of power as a speaker. Yeah. And, and then you can, then the, the key is to get them to the next step. Yeah. And they will, if you inspire people and motivate them and you lift them up and you give them hope, they will follow you to the next step. They will. And, you know, the, one of the things that I miss from not doing it, Joe, is, the, as I say, the last time I did this was last June. It's far too long. 
um, is the people who come up afterwards and say, normally I don't listen to structured stuff because I, I have like a seven-step strategy sort of system that I, I deliver, um, sure. which, which covers from finance to corporate governance and everything in sure, between. Sure, I understand. Um, and um, people said, look, normally I listen, but he says, but you, you give me such a kick up the backside to go and sort my business out. And, you know, my job, and I love the, not the, not the, the, the feedback for personal reasons, but I just love that I've helped somebody and they can take it away and you can take, go and implement it, but don't just implement it. Send me a message and let me know how it helped you. And, you know, and I think that for me is more gratifying than anything else. Than, and than I think it's more trustworthy as well. Yeah, People definitely. will trust you because you're not necessarily selling where you're training. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I, they have to be separate. You're, you're helping people. You're giving them value. You're, you're, and I, if there's one thing I can tell everyone listening, and that is make a list of the problems that you solve. Yep. Make that list. Make a list of the benefits that you provide. It's two separate lists. Because this is where your marketing and your promotion should have its core content. Yeah. What, what are you solving for people? Because, you know, when, you, when someone walks up to you and they say to you, Oh, hello, how can I help you? It's the wrong question. <laughs> the right question would be, what's the problem that's, that you're challenged with today? Yeah, what's and holding what, you back? What's holding you back, right? And when you get that, you get people talking to you. And so in a presentation, you want to know what people's problems are, are what problems they're posing. Yeah. What, you know, they'll get a feel like, like, man, you must be a fly on the wall in my house or in my office. <laughs> You know, it's great how do you know so happens. much about my business? Well, you did your homework. You analyzed your audience, and then you're opening it up with rhetorical questions that, or you know, or uh, questions that, you know, have you ever had this feeling of being humiliated or embarrassed being in front of an audience, and you're never going to want to be in that situation again? But yeah, you know, if you don't get in front of an audience, start raising the hands, don't they? <laughs> exactly. You see, and you're you're inciting them to think. Cool. That, that's the key to it. Listen, I've got to write questions. down these problems and you yeah, write sure, down sure. these benefits. These are the, the subject matter of your presentations. Yeah. Fantastic. See? Listen, I've got to ask this question. It's, sure. slight, it's slightly off script, but I've put it in there. Again, I'm, I go back to some of the great books that I've read over the years. And I go back to Think and Grow Rich. And I look at one of the statements in there, which is where Napoleon Hill says that all the successful people, now you've got to date that for some of the younger listeners, it's 1937, you know, but it originally commissioned in 1908. It took the guy over 25 years to write. Uh, however, um, you've got to date, it's still relevant. Don't tune out of this podcast here and say, yeah, 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 that stuff's not relevant to me today. It is more than ever with the, it, we're going to enter the worst recession for 300 years. That's worse than the Great Depression of the late 20s. Yep. So trust me, this is more relevant. And what he said is all the successful people, okay, they all had similar traits yep. that they did. Now, the question I've got for you, Joe, that I want to show, because I want you as the listeners to sort of self, self-identify with what Joe's going to say. I don't know what he's going to say, but I'm hoping he's going to say what I think he's going to say. Of all the people that you've coached, from C-suite to state, you know, leaders and things like that, what do you see as a successful trait in those people who, you know, take on your advice, go out and action in it and, and become successful or maybe improve their already successful position? Is, this, is, there a, is there a DNA? Is there a string? Is there a type? Is there a characteristic? Is there a practicing that they do that you say, you know, when I go back and look at this guy, this girl, this, what's the same thing? And I'd love to hear that from you. All right. 
It takes a certain type of person to have this quality. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you the quality in a minute. Yep. But when you have someone who has the quality of drive and persistence, now I'm not giving you the trait yet. These no, are no, all no. qualities of a person. They are built to drive toward a goal. They know their goal, they are driven and they persist through barriers. They welcome them, they don't resist them, okay? But here's the key. This is what, they know that if they invest in themselves, and investing in themselves means get armed up with know-how, read, take courses in, I mean, I'm not not giving you a a plug here, but when people people come to see me, I wanna know that they have an interest to invest in themselves. It's their own personal and professional development that they know that if they gain that edge in competency and know-how, that's their security. That is their security. It is not how much money they have in the bank account. It's not how much land they own. It is not the cars they drive and what they look like. It is security is based on what knowledge and competency, because they'll never lose that. Absolutely. And see, that's the key, is invest in your professional and personal development. And I'll tell you another reason why. Is the a real definition of wealth? And are, are you familiar with uh, Chick Fil A here in the United States? I am Chick Fil A, absolutely. And they, yeah, Chick Fil A. They the don't UK. open Sundays, do they? Don't open Sundays, do they? To give the team. The no, Sunday they don't. They're not open Sundays because the man is a what he calls a conservative patriot. He's religious, <laughs> Christian, and so forth. But there's one thing that Cathay, it's his name is Cathay, wrote a book on money, and he called it he called it something wealth, uh, principles of wealth, or something yeah, of that yeah. nature. His last name is C A T H. E-A-Y, okay? And he says, you know, wealth is not money. Wealth is an abundance of things. It is prosperity, which is an abundance of everything needed to be successful. And I can't, and if you can learn how to create that, you'll make any kind of money you can. And that's what I teach my clients to do. I teach my attendees at my events and my one-on-one VIP clients to understand and I get them prepared even before they come on board. Yeah. You're about to invest in your personal and professional development. I'll say to them, look man, man or woman, you're about to get vulnerable. You're about to open yourself up. Uh, the surgeon is about to operate. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a teamwork, man. It's, it's great because they're gonna discover things about themselves they haven't seen before. Perfect. You're going to look into things going, oh, my God, I can't believe I was thinking that. No wonder I can't get past this next level. Yeah, and there are many people that, that are stuck in jobs. They, they're going, I really want to go out on my own. I really want to be an entrepreneur. And they can't understand why. I have transitioned a lot of people from executives and companies to going out on their own successfully. I love that because that gives them freedom. Absolutely. No, gives I them love freedom it. to do whatever the hell they want. They're, they're getting 100% of the pie, the income pie, and they get to decide what to do, when to do it. Yeah, and and, it's good and the transition is actually workable. So that, I think, answers your question. It's personal, professional development that they are not afraid to take the risk yeah, to invest. Uh, 
there's, there's two there's two quotes um and i just want to build on what joe says there and uh, i thank you for sharing that and putting a different light on it as well it's exactly what i thought you would say with a with your own unique thing around it there's a couple of people that you know people who follow my stuff they'll know i follow a lot of zig ziglar stuff i follow a lot of jim Rohn stuff um and zig talks about what is wealth and you know health good family relationships, you know, and, and there's a list and money comes five or six down the road. You know, it, it, the, the, the true aspect of wealth isn't money. It's, it's, it's all the other things, respect, you know, and, and knowledge of power, things like that. And then Jim, um, God bless him. He, he, he used to say that, uh, and, and I don't want to get stereotypes. So if, you know, if you've got a complaint, shoot me a message, use the hashtag, the open mic. I don't mean it this way, but what he talks about is wealthy people have big libraries and poorer people have big TVs. And uh, that's a big joke, Jim Rome saying. So it may be worded slightly different, but poor people have TVs, wealthy people have big libraries. And that's exactly what Joe's saying to you here. Uh, to you know, can I say something yeah, about sure. Jim Rome? Yeah, sure. I have, I have in the back of my book, inspirational quotes that people can use at the end of their presentations to give them awesome. some ideas. And I have a quote by Jim Rome. I love Jim Rome. He says, yeah. the greatest gift you can give someone is your own personal development. Yeah. He says, I used to say, quote, if you will take care of me, I will take care of you, unquote. Now I say, quote, I will take care of me for you if you take care of you for me, unquote. Got it. Got it. Love it. Isn't that um, brilliant? Anything that Jim does, I've got a full library, all the seminars, the weekend seminars on DVD and uh, for our younger listeners, that's a silver disc that looks like a CD player. Um, and on the bottom of my email and on my business card, I've got a Jim Rohn statement or a Jim Rohn quote that goes, discipline is the bridge between goals and accomplishment. Oh, yeah. Um, and he talks about doing the basics right every day and the rest follows. And um, so check it out there. There's a, a book on Amazon. You can get it off the success store as well with Jim Rohn. And now, these are brilliant writers. These are people that really understand their, their readers, their audiences. That's something I had to do early on is I did a lot of coaching before I wrote my book. There's a lot of people doing it wrong. They think that if they write a book before they start their business, it's a way to get more people coming in. And the book is full of nothing. It's empty. It's, it's empty. You know. It's tangible. It's full of paragraphs without any learning, a lot of them. Exactly. And I see a lot of them. Uh, it, is, it is one of those things. I think, you know, my take, um, I'm maybe a little bit more controversial with personal development than most. Um, I get really frustrated. And if you're listening to this and you're either just starting your personal development or you want to refine it, what frustrates me about personal development is when you see people go online and say, hey, could, uh, you know, can anybody recommend any good books? And I'm like, whoa, you know, I, look, I'm all for recommendations. I'm all for sharing and helping guys. But one of the things that I look at is this way, that if you are stuck in your business right now and you need to improve finance, if you're stuck and you need to improve sales, if you need to stuck and you need to be better in the boardroom, whether it's corporate governance or whatever it would be, doesn't it make sense to do a self-evaluation to say, hey, what's holding me back right now? And then go and get, then instead of going out and saying, hey, can anybody recommend a book? Saying, hey, look, I'm really struggling to improve my financial knowledge or my operational systems or implementation, customer service knowledge. Has anybody got any books around that that they can seriously recommend? And I'm asking you to say, 
don't stop asking for recommendations. Don't misunderstand me. What I'm saying is be specific with the recommendations that you're looking at. So your knowledge is building up. And what I found, you know, I was uneducated, passed a couple of basic high school exams. And obviously when you start studying, and one of the things that I was always told is to learn finance, Mike. If you learn finance, the rest clicks into place because finance drives operational and capital investment. Finance allows you to employ people. Finance allows you to market people, invest in systems, salespeople, and then ultimately grow. Without finance, the rest doesn't really follow. So I thought, hey, that makes sense. And I'm rubbish at finance. I couldn't even add up. to fail yeah. my math, basic math. So ultimately, I started with finance. And then once I'd understood finance and, and really qualified up at that level, what it did is I started to understand words and knowledge that I didn't mm. have before. So the rest became easier. I'm not saying do it exactly the way I do it. I'm just mm. saying is stop. In my, my view, maybe controversial, you know, shoot me a message, use the hashtag the open mic if you disagree. But mindset is stop asking for blind hit recommendations. Go with a specific self-assessment where you need help with and get it from there. I don't yeah, know what you're really that, great yeah, I mean, if I'm happy to give and that's how I found it. I, I, I build on layer that knowledge a lot better. And if I could take that a little further, Mike, yeah, for the, please the do. value of, of your audience here, and that is, you mentioned about self-assessment. Yeah. Be very aware of who you're seeking advice from. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's absolutely. another thing. Like, don't seek advice from people who haven't achieved what it is you're trying to achieve. Do they have a record of success? Yeah. And, and if it's a coach then find out, do they have winning clients, yeah. you know, and, and how have they helped their clients? In fact, go talk to them. Absolutely. What's it like working with that coach? I, you know, books are one thing and there's a lot of like the internet. There's a lot of false information in yeah. books. There's a lot of false information in the internet. You've got to be extremely discerning and differentiate between what's workable and what isn't. Yeah. And I say this and that, and that is really make a decision on what it is you want to accomplish. And if you don't know what that is, that's the first step to get coached on is a strategy for your career, a strategic blueprint. That's the first place to start. And all too often you find that, you know, I know I'm, I'll have somebody who I meet that comes into my training center and I'll sit down and they go, you know, all I know is I want to conquer something. And I don't know what it is. <laughs> I know I have a drive in me. And I'm not sure what it should be, but that's perfect. I'm working with, a potential fire. There's a blue spark there and it's not fully on full throttle yet. And I can help this, the fire's lit, but it needs to be turned up high, yeah. you see? And there's so many smart questions that I can ask somebody that they've always wanted to have asked of them. <laughs> yeah. There's, that's, that's a smart, I'm so happy you asked me that question. I've done this on the phone, but people are something. They have a burning desire to do one thing. And if they, and this is where I separate out people. If they want to help, I'm in. If they don't and it's self-serving, go find yourself another coach. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. And I love that. And thank you for expanding and building on that because, you know, it's starting in the wrong, you know, it's like anything. You, you go down the highway uh, with a wobbly wheel, you know, you start, there's a little bit of a vibration before you're at the first turnpike, guess what? The wheel's off and, and, and away you go. So, you know, it, <laughs> Good it's, analogy. It, yeah, it starts off and gets progressively worse. So get your starting point is what Joe said. Understand what you're trying to achieve. And that's sound advice. Awesome. Joe, it's been an absolute pleasure learning a little bit more about your background and some of the things and the commonalities that we share are, 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 are you know, canny. Really. By the way, I have to give you a compliment. You're one of the very rare uh, broadcasters 
that advises and teaches while he does this. I love it. Oh, thank I'm you. Noticing I, that about you, you provide a lot of value to your people in your interview. I really like that. I admire that a lot about you. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you very much indeed. And, you know, I think over my time, I think, you know, I touch and, and I, I follow through the journeys. And, you know, one thing that Joe said there, make sure that when you're dealing with somebody or you're hiring somebody that they're credible. And look, we all started somewhere. I go back to 1994 when I first started and I was green behind the ears and I had to figure it out and things like that. But over the time, you know, you build and acquire that knowledge, you share it, you go up there and look for success. Uh, and if you follow success, then usually if there's a personality fit, you know, admire, you can, you can match. And, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of listeners out, you know, thinking Joe's a great guy here. And I highly encourage you to head over, check out prestigeleader.com um, and, uh, you know, go and take that. There's some downloads on there that you get some free. Buy the book, um, you know, obviously, you know, you can probably, I don't know if you guys can see behind me, there's books on the shelf, it's full. We keep buying more storage space to put more books on. Even though we have them electronically, we still buy the hard book. Here's another pro tip, guys. If you have an Audible account or a um, like a, a Google, you know an Apple Books account, always buy the hard copy as well. Always buy the hard copy because you get so much value. And don't tell me that oh yeah, I prefer to listen. And if that's what you do, that's great. Listen to the book alone, but get the hard book. And I know we shouldn't deface books, guys, but I get a pencil. I, I use it for the podcast. I use it, my, and I write in the margin notes. And I took that out of um, Mac, Maxwell Maltz's uh, book. Um, and where obviously Vince Lombardi, when he was doing the uh, Green Bay Packers in the late 60s and was most successful coach, anybody follow Super Bowl, this trophy is named after him from there. And he, the reason why the Packers were there, because uh, he trained them on psycho-cybernetics by Dr. Maxwell Moss. If you haven't got that book, go get it. It'll fry your head to start with, but it's an amazing, amazing, amazing document. And um, he used to say all the all the margin notes, all the all the things. And, and I took that from there. So yeah, you know, shout out. Yeah, you know what's great about your, your example there, Mike, yeah. is you have a coach there who has a playbook <laughs> okay and he teaches each of those players how to play that position yeah and he teaches them how to to play as a team yeah you see and then he has a quarterback and that was bart Starr in those days and yep. i'm happy to see that you're an american football enthusiast <laughs> but that, there you have it we have we have we just oh, we just got tom brady to tampa bay this year yeah you did yeah see, that tells you about leadership right there and it is, do you have a playbook for your life? Yeah. Do you have a playbook for where you're going 5, 10, 20 years from now? What is your strategic blueprint for how you're going to achieve success? They can all be put together, created for you, you see, or you're learning how to put one together on your own and then double checking it with mentors that have done it. Yeah, absolutely. So that's so key. Yeah, it is. And that, by the way, just, just back up revisiting the psycho um, It's one of my favorite books. Um, I've been studying that for just short of 20 years. Um, and I learn something new from that all the time. And I know there's a lot of modern sort of takes on that from Steve Peters and Chip Paradox and things like that and whatever. But I'm not being disrespectful to that book. I'm sure it's fine. But, you know, they all take it out of the original stuff. Um, and what was interesting about that book, what I found more than anything, is that it was actually written in 1960 or published in 1960. However, uh, Maxwell Maltz at the time was 65 when he wrote that book. And he 
he'd spent, um, and this was surprised me again, and me being a little bit ignorant at that stage, um, that he'd spent 40 years as a plastic surgeon, and he wanted to look at the psychological impacts of why people wanted to change the face or, you know, the body shape or whatever it was. And he wrote it at the end of his career because he was that fascinated about the psychological decisions. You know, it's, it's an obvious one. I've got a scar on my face. I want to cover it up. But, you know, body changes and things like that. And, and it was all about the psychological impact that he did. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's actually a matter of how how uh, function is senior to structure. Yeah. Monitor, it function monitors structure, and it's so important that, that each of us have in some ways to know, you know, what are we it's, – it's a branding issue if you think about it. I'll, I'll bring this up because everybody listening has their own brand. And, and function is who are we? Really, who are we and what do I look like to my to the public I'm trying to attract? Yeah. You see? So 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 the body or what you look like is a package. Marketing is a package. But the function of it should also communicate here's what I do. Yeah. Here's what I can produce for you. Here's how I can help you. And the branding of that should be and because it's always the structure is always the physical elements of what it is you're doing. That's branding. Yeah, perfect. Love it. It's interesting how a person shows up in front of another and the way they communicate, how they present themselves, what they look like, their expression on their face, right? All of that is as a result of what they're thinking mentally. So I say, well, Joe, they ask me, Joe, how do you get people to handle body language? What about body language? And I think, what about it? They say, you know, there are people that teach body language. Well, you have to do this and you have to walk this way. And it's so, it's so uh, superficial. Yeah. So I, I tell them, look, the body's going to do what the mind is telling you and how it's acting and how it's feeling. If you're comfortable, the body's going to look comfortable. <laughs> right? If you're not at ease and you're nervous, the body's going to look nervous. Right? You so, it. you know, we're going to train you to be comfortable in front of an audience so your body – the best body language you have is eye contact. Absolutely. Straight get them to look at your eyes. Get them, get eye contact going because after all, and this is something from my theater days, Mike, Stanislavski, the Moscow Art Theater, yep. an actor prepares. So there's a book for you. You might not think that that's a book to read, but that's a book to read. An actor prepares. He says in that book, the eyes are the mirror to the soul. Yeah, brilliant. That was his line. Yeah. And you'll always get a connection to yourself spiritually or emotionally or personally when you can connect eyes wise. Yeah, that makes sense. contact to have. Cool. Joe, let's dig a little bit deeper into this subject. Now, we touched earlier um, on, you know, the no fear book. Uh, Yeah. we We know a little bit about it. But... We know what to expect to a degree. Pick out something from the book. I know you mentioned like the framework, but pick out something else as well for us, what they could expect to do. And Yeah, and here's when, something called... When they it's finish, my... Yeah, sorry, I was going to say, when, no, they no, reading the book, when they finish reading the book, what should they be able to accomplish? You know, providing they've got the drive, the determination for execution, because okay. like, reading books, doing courses, hiring coaches, all a waste of time, if you ain't going to implement, ain't going to take action, ain't going to do the work afterwards. Yeah, I'm thinking about that. I'm about to release my online video course, (laughs) updated now, and 
I can tell you that's going to be released in about two, three weeks, the yes. online video course. Look, here's something that I think that's really simple. I like simplicity because there's power in it. There's power in simplicity. When things get complicated, you know it's diluted with something that shouldn't be there. You're going to take away from the book that the best personality that shows up in front of an audience is you. Yeah. Okay. And that all you've got to do is show up without anything added. And the, the key to a conversation with your audience is particularly live. It's one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. You're having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with an individual. Now I could have 50,000 people in a stadium. I could be standing on the midline, 50 yard line, say I've got 12 microphones in my face and I'm talking to one person. And that's it, because every single one of those 50,000 are going to get a feeling that I'm talking to them individually. Yeah, that's where you the see? connection comes from. That's where the connection, it's a conversation like you and I are having. Yeah. You've heard bombastic people who are talking at you. One of the greatest things that we have ever seen. What is this? <laughs> you know? Sounds like uh, it sounds like an American primary, I think. <laughs> yeah. Or if you've ever seen a debate, they're all talking like that, and you're doubling yeah. it by 10 or 12. Yeah. But nobody's talking to anybody. And here's another thing. You're going to learn in this book what a synthetic speaker is and what an authentic speaker is. Love it. And, and I have a chapter on it called Authentic Versus Synthetic Speaking. Love I love that analogy. Okay, yes, and there's a dichotomy here because authentic speakers speak expressively. They're not trying to impress like synthetic. They're not trying to be interesting. They're being interested. Yeah. See, they're not, trying, they're not being an object trying to get interest because objects cannot generate interest. People do. Yeah. They're, not trying, they're not restraining like synthetic people are. They're effortless. You see, they're not artificial trying to be somebody else. They're being themselves. They're natural. They're not, ex they're not introverted. They're extroverted. Yeah. And extroverted. Now, people will say, well, you know, I was born. how do you handle a, somebody who's a born introvert? There's nobody born introverted. I've never, have you ever seen, Mike, an introverted baby? <laughs> I've never seen an introverted baby in my life. They learn to be introverted because of their various negative influences as they grow up in their environment. But extroverted personalities, you can be one, yeah. okay? And so the bottom line of it, an authentic speaker is always looking out, outward. Yeah. A synthetic speaker is thinking too much, computing, looking in. You see, the great speakers are always observing their audience, you know, and listening while they're speaking because yeah. they, can, they can make the adjustments necessary. I train my clients how to do this. And sometimes I will train them where I'm throwing curveballs at them in training. And they don't expect me, an unexpected surprise, and how do you handle it? Yeah. These are great scenarios to learn from. Absolutely. absolutely love it. And I know from my own experiences, you're always trying to think two or three things. You're looking at feedback in the audience. You're listening. You're talking. You're referencing slides. You're looking to be assertive, answer questions, get them involved. You know, it's like five things at once. And and you know, when you and and I'm sure there's a, a strategy for this, but I know if I do a 45 minute keynote, uh, Joe. I am exhausted at the end because, you know, the adrenaline runs in. I do this handshakes afterwards. People come up, you have a chair. Once that dies down, 
I am drained because of the mental power that it's taken. It's like I need four batteries, not two, to get. Uh, can I tell you yeah. something? Yeah, sure. Can I tell you? It's actually the opposite, and I'm not here to disagree with you. I I know what it's like. I've delivered five day boot camps, five oh, hours a day. Wow. That's 25 hours in a five day period. Wow. And I'll tell you, you're you when you're effortless, and I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you. No, it's fine. When you're effortless. You need to have interaction with your audience. You need yeah. to have back and forth going, right? Yeah, all the time. It's not a one-way flow. And we have fun. When I deliver a workshop, it's a it's like everybody's up out of their seats. I bring people up out of their out of the audience and I coach them. And in 15 minutes, the audience is seeing a change. And then those people who are like sitting on their hands, not raising them, are now going, Can I be next? <laughs> yeah, they're going to that, That's exhilarating. And that's the kind of thing that that makes uh, for a, uh, the kind of event that, uh, it, it, that, that is alive. It doesn't wear you out. No, and I'm totally saying that because I know, hey, I used to be on stage singing and a three-hour <laughs> event with a band behind me. And when you're singing, you don't, you're not aware that you have a body. And <laughs> I'm, when the event is over and I'm having to pick up the equipment or whatever, I'm like, Oh my God, I'm just, you know, I, I understand it completely, let me tell you. Yeah, I love it. So tell us as well, um, you know, how do you actually go about starting to coach leaders to build a winning team? I know you mentioned that they've got to have a blueprint for a career path. That's awesome. I, I love that, what you said earlier, that, you know, know where you're at, know what you're trying to achieve. Love that. Yeah. But coaching leaders to build winning teams. Tell us a little bit more. About yeah, I, I really need to know the intent of that client before they become a client. Uh, I'm not readily ready to accept anybody's money for for training or coaching unless I know I can help that person. Yeah. And also if I know that person is responsibly ethical, that's very important to me that that person is fortifying others with this training, not just self-serving and making money himself. Okay. Or herself. So I really dig in and I ask a lot of very important questions. It's a very, this is before they come on board. Yeah. I take my time vetting, evaluating, assessing somebody before they come on board. I want to know what their goals are. I want to know what they want to accomplish. I want to know what they consider their challenges are, their problems, issues, barriers that they want to overcome. And I want to know what's important to them. I want to know what their ideal life and career looks like. Yeah. You know, and this way I have a real person in front of me that I fully understand because I don't cookie cutter any coaching at all. That's, that's, that's dangerous. You know, Absolutely. teachers in schools, you know what they do? Teachers teach subjects. I don't teach subjects. I coach people. Yeah. The big, big difference. Big difference. Big. And I, I really know the client I'm working with, and that's a big difference. And so once I get what they want as an ideal scene in their life, so what we do is we develop this program where we bridge the gap between the existing scene and the ideal and I have steps in sequence that I develop in this program with an end result and a finish line. Yeah. Amazing. It's very exciting. Yeah. And I, I have worked with uh, top execs in major computer companies, like the chief technology officer of Hewlett Packard. That was like adventurous as hell. Wow. I mean, I've, I've worked with uh, 
uh, a very top financial services company, uh, Stansberry Research. They're a publishing research. They're all over the world. Yeah. And I had to get them to really get them to connect on camera to people because people were buying newsletters and they didn't even know who was writing them. They never really got a sense of who they were. And now they're doing videos, which is fantastic. Yeah, it's big progress. Big progress. Exactly. Yeah. So and I think that's important because, you know, do you, would you recommend that, you know, assuming that the client's right, the fit's right, um, there's there, you know, you, you're working through this program. Leadership programs, do they involve getting their teams involved or do you allow them to go and then, you know, in, invest into their business? Yes, both. Like that's determined. That, that is, and that's really a great question because we develop a strategic format that would best serve either that individual or that company. Yeah, perfect. We have done a combination of things where I've worked with the senior exec or the owner of the company, depending on the size one-on-one, -on -one, and then he has brought me in or she has brought me in to talk to the teams on a workshop basis. Some of it has been uh, on webinars, online video conferencing, which can be done beautifully because I get to send them the recording to look at and review. Uh, you know, Skype calls, Zoom calls, what have you. Uh, and so it, it really is a, 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 a solution that is decided upon that gives them the best result in the shortest period of time. Yeah, awesome. Love it. Love it. So I know when you talk about PR tools, um, what are the ones that executives can use to like, increase that reputation and credit? Oh, my God. <laughs> now you're in my, my wheelhouse here. <laughs> I think PR, I tell you, I think PR is a lost subject. The people think that PR is promotion and marketing is not. It is, your, it is, the, is the branding that you uh, adopt that, that, and what you do that raises your legitimacy, your reputation, your credibility, your desirability and from the viewpoint of the public you're trying to attract. Yeah. And, and there's four words I can tell you. If you want a book, I can give you another book. It's a yeah, fantastic please. book. This book is the, the consummate book on branding. It's called Brand Intervention, and it's written by a very good friend of mine. He's well-known, Damon John. All of these top people have endorsed him, uh, and uh, I've had many conversations with him. His name is David Breyer, B-R-E-I-E-R, -E -E Breyer. Brand Intervention. It's written in a way that really summarizes, in a way, what branding is. He defines branding, and I believe in this wholeheartedly, as the art of differentiation. So when you ask me this question about what executives and companies need to do, they need to differentiate themselves. And they need to do it in a way that really makes them uh, communicate who they are and what they do uh, positively, in a positive way that is not boring or the same fish in the sea. Yeah. You see? And I believe that there's a face to the company and that face to the company needs to show up yeah. On videos. So it's, it's all about, you know, if, if there are people listening now, what does your bio look like? Yeah. Is it constructed where people are going to go, wow. And if that wow opens the package, see the package is marketing. But PR motivates people to open the package. Yeah, yeah. You see what I'm saying? It's the runway. It's the runway for the takeoff. When your PR is such where people are coming to you. It's not who you know, it's who knows you. Yeah. Amazing. You see? And you've got testimonials up on your, on your, uh, your homepage. You've got videos, you've got 
Like I've got photos of Desmond Tutu and uh, the, the guy, the the Nobel Peace Prize winner yeah. who apartheid. I have a photo endorsing my book. Amazing. See, that's PR. How, who could, who's going to question that? Yeah, you, it, it's like my, an expert witness in a court cover case. of my book, and there's Desmond Tutu going like, you know, <laughs> Gary Player, the legend in South Africa. Wow, you know? what a, a big goal. He us golf. To, come to, his, to come to his stud ranch. He has a leadership stud ranch. He's endorsing my book. Here's, a, here's have, a funny story about Gary Player. I just want to interject there. Oh, yeah? Gary Player won the Masters. Um, and I don't know yeah. if you know, for you, you keen golfers out there, well, I say I'm a keen golfer, I'm a keen bad golfer. I'm not that great at it, but I'd love it. <laughs> I got all the gear, no idea, all the clubs, feathers, whatever. Don't play as much as I used to. But back to Gary Player. Um, when you win the Masters, you get the green jacket. And the green jacket, um, you're allowed for the first year to take it away and do promotional and PR while you are the champion of Augusta for that period. But after that period, the, the green jacket has to return and it stays in the locker room uh, <laughs> at Augusta. And yeah. Gary Player didn't take his back. And if you go to Gary Player's Wikipedia page and check out about the missing green jacket and say, oh, I'm not taking it back. And they kept asking him this. And of course, he would more than what. So then I think they just fed up of asking him. But I think he's the only person who was allowed to like keep his green jacket away <laughs> uh, from Augusta. And if you know anything about golf, how serious it is, how clubhouse rules, Oh yeah. You don't, oh, yeah. You don't disagree with the establishment type of thing. And uh, I think Gary Player is the only one who got away with keeping his green jacket away from Augusta at the first time. That's a great story. And you know, it's interesting, Mike, is what you're doing right there answers the question of what makes PR good PR, yeah. really uh, uh, impactful PR. Tell a great story. Yeah. Tell your story. Tell your story uh, on, on a video or to a social media posting, tell your story. Uh, tell people how you, and why, tell them the why of your company. What, what's driving your purpose so that people get a sense of it. What do you believe in? What are the humanitarian causes that you believe in? People love that. Absolutely. You see, and they're connecting with you on something that has nothing to do with your product or service. It has to do with Massive. the purpose why you yeah. became an entrepreneur or even an executive. Yeah, absolutely. And quick plug here for my favorite charity, NSPCC, National Society of Prevention of Cruelty to Children. Please go and donate uh, in these hard times. There's a lot of kids underprivileged out there. So that's my little uh, sort of plug there and uh, abu abuse of the host power, as I would say. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I love the point that you just made there. If you're trying to build your brand, guys, you know, it's not always about you. What, what Joe just said there, which I absolutely love, is go and connect with them on something that's not related to your service. How fantastic is that? Um, here in the UK, I know you have vanity plates over in the States, uh, Joe, number plates on cars, vanity plates, um, but they're not quite as historical as maybe what we have here in, in the UK. It's a huge, huge, huge business in the UK. You know, some number plates at half a million pounds, you know, six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars just for a number plate. Um, very similar to how it is in Hong Kong. There's a very similar situation there. And a lot of business that I've been over the past is I've been a private collector of number plates since 1987 when I first got my first car and always been interested in them. The, 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 the mayor of my local town in Barnsley, um, funny enough, had T-H-E-1, the one. So as I were growing up, I just thought it was normal, the one. Anybody in the UK will tell you, that's not a normal plate. That's a stunning, sterling, you know, 
solid gold plate, uh, number plate. Um, and I've always been fascinated with private number plates and the amount of people I've connected with because of number plates, which have then either gone on to be clients or vendors and suppliers of mine where we've built that relationship. And do you know what the main thing is? I can't really think of an example of a situation where I had a great relationship with somebody around number plates, which is geeky. It may be Star Wars. It might be Star Trek. It might be Game of Thrones. Who cares? But to me, it was number plates. And I can't think of a situation where I've struck up that amazing relationship with somebody, where I even then went and looked elsewhere. I connected with them. I had a relationship. And where I became a customer of theirs, I don't think I even shopped to them as a competitor. I got a built trust. We had a relationship. And then, you know, we talk business, but we talk number plates. And how powerful is that where you just cut out that competition almost? Maybe, maybe, maybe I had a quick price check just to make sure we, we weren't being overcharged or something. But overall, the trust was there because it was built around the. <clears throat> Sorry, the, you know, the geekiness of private number plates or in the States, you'll understand them as vanity plates or vanity number plates. So that's a great way of doing it. So I love that example, Joe, there that you've just picked up there. And, uh, you know, shoot us a message. Use the hashtag The Open Mic. Let me know what sort of connections you have, uh, how that business has developed and, uh, you know, how you grew your business with where you weren't talking about your existing subject. So thanks for sharing that, uh, Joe. Um, appreciate it. So we talk about correct brand messaging that gets positive public response. I'm really keen for you to drill down there. I know we've touched on it in and out with PR and books and different things like that. Tell us a little bit more about correct brand messaging and you know what people are just maybe getting started, what should they be doing, what are the basics? And, yeah, you know, I, I think there's you know. three things. This is a really good question. And uh, let me ask, are we winding down? Uh, no, we're okay for a few minutes. Yeah, we're good. Okay, great. Okay, I have a, I have a. In ten minutes, I have another broadcast. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so, yeah, we can shoot that. I, yeah, sure. I don't want to get, I don't want to get off this broadcast. <laughs> it's too exciting for me. Um, there's three things I want the viewers to to, to know, and this is the key because this there. Otherwise, if you don't have these three, this is this has to do with branding and brand messaging. It's important that you you have the right message for the right, on the right channel, yeah. reaching the right audience. And those three things are key. Yeah. Okay, know your audience first. What is the correct message for that audience? Where is that audience found, particularly if it's on social media? Know your audience if they're live in front of you. What is the correct message? Is it on the correct channel leading to this correct audience? Yeah, absolutely. You know, branding is how you want your audience to identify you. You see, and it's not just a logo. Logos are important. It's not just your tagline, okay? It is the expression that you exhibit. It's your communication skill. It's your professional standard that you've, you've kept and, and upheld. It's your, I'll tell you one thing that separates people and I can tell you this is it for me. You ready for this? This is a hallmark <laughs> in PR and branding. You want to know what this is? Go. Manners. Manners. Manners are the oil that reduces the friction, okay? You can look at manners. It's so important. Know the manners of the ethnic culture you're working in. I had to learn this one traveling. Different rules in different countries. In different countries. It's called protocol. It is. But simple manners. There's some universal manners like listening without looking away while the person's talking. 
you know, not having your hands in your pocket, you know, uh, juggling your change or your keys, you know, uh, things like this, like letting them know you heard them, making them feel important. Boy, that's fantastic. And not doing it disingenuously, but doing it sincerely. Yeah, that's the difference. I, I have to tell you, these are the keys. And we actually have to teach this stuff sometimes. Crazy. And it's true. It's like there are people growing up in certain areas of, of the world that they didn't learn how to connect socially with people. I'm working on right now, there's, there's a whole element of culture that does not, entering this country, that is working in the biotech, bioscience field, and they're all from Asia. Yeah. And they have to learn how to communicate to American people. It's different, isn't it? It's very different. And I love diversity. Yeah. But this is manners. Yeah. You have to learn what manners are. Absolutely. And I second that. I work with a client over in Eindhoven in the Netherlands. And the Dutch people are fantastic people. But there is certain things that we do when we're in Holland or the Netherlands that, yeah. we, that we don't do in the UK. So you just know your territory. And I call it the color of the chameleon and the pace of the river. How, exactly. what, how, what is the pace of the river and what color is the chameleon you're dealing with? And you, Correct. You, it's your responsibility to learn that and develop and be professional. Joe, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Uh, I, I didn't want to cut it short either, but I know you've got to go, so we've got to just wrap this up very quickly. Hey, um, Mike, you've got an idea. Let's do it again. Absolutely. We're <laughs> part two. I'm, we're definitely up for part two, and we'll get you there. All <laughs> right. Um, There's a sequel coming. Yeah, absolutely. But before I let you go, uh, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be typical open mic style if we didn't do this. Um, we, we speak around so many different quality sort of pieces of advice if you could summarize up for us in three pro tips if you want to speak perform as a highly respected leader what are the three things the essential things that are listening? the first the first one is honestly the first is know your purpose because you're going to message and communicate that purpose you need to write out your purpose that's number one it's the purpose for your career for your company why are you there? That needs to be done first. That's yeah. so important because you lose sight of that. You lose sight of everything. Yeah. You know, number two, design how you help people. How are you helping them? Work out your strategy for how you're going to get there. Strategic blueprinting is very important as a leader. Get your, get your teams to buy into that strategic blueprint. It's very, very important. Amazing. Hi, and the third is this. Surround yourself with people that know more than you do. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and don't be arrogant and so self-assured that you have to pretend that you know more. Okay, get out there and grant them importance. That's very, very important for a leader. The soul, I tell you, the most important quality a leader has, other than getting compliance, is understanding understanding what's going on with their people and their company seek to know because if you don't choose to know you're choosing not to be responsible and choosing chaos <laughs> joe as absolute diamond gold advice we'll get those three pro tips dropped into the uh, the show notes as well 
please, please, please go check Joe out. Uh, you can check him out at nofearspeaking.com or prestigeleader.com. Please connect with Joe on social as well. We'll put all the links below. Joe, it's been an absolute pleasure learning from you today. What an education. Uh, certainly a valuable investment of my time. Thank you so much. And, and it was a pleasure learning from you as well, Mike. <laughs> oh, well, that's a big compliment. Thank you. Um, okay. It is greatly appreciated. And you for, you, for you guys out on the channels, we appreciate you've got a lot, a lot of choice in the podcast market. We appreciate you lending us ears for this show. As always, go do the hustle, go make it happen, and we're going to catch up with you on an open mic podcast show real soon. Thanks again, Joe. You've been a star. Thank you. Take care, everyone. Thank you. You have been listening to The Open Mic, brought to you by The Success Hub. To find out more and to get the resources we have mentioned in this podcast episode, simply visit blog.thesuccesshub.io and view the podcast section. Thanks for listening and we look forward to catching up with you in our next episode. This podcast and associated materials is published under copyright to The Success Hub. All rights reserved. No reproduction of this material is permitted.